Welcome to Be Plot Podcast, your podcast where we take a look at some of the biggest movies from days gone by, mostly ignorant. Look at the ones come out on the exact same day. We are finishing off our Oscar special. Ooh, yes, big ass to us, we did it. Um, by the time that you listen to this, you will probably know the result of Best Picture. Um, so it's a good idea to uh, watch the Oscars, uh, know the results, and then come back and uh, see how wrong we got it. <laughs> see how wrong we got it when Trial of the Chicago 7 walks away <laughs> with a Best Picture uh, Best Picture win. And the movies that we, the, the final two movies that we chose, uh, Promising Young Woman and Nomadland. Now, Sam, which one do you want to talk about first? I th- I think we should go into prom- I think we should do promising young woman first and then go into Nomadland. Oh, okay, let's do that first. I also wanted to say before we kick off, um, when it comes to these two movies, I actually have a lot more to say about promising young woman than I do about Nomadland. I think Nomadland is a better picture, unequivoc- unequivocally. I do find promising young woman. A slightly more interesting picture mm-hmm. um, for a variety of reasons. So, uh, Promising Young Woman, uh, directed by Emerald uh, Fennel. Promising Emerald Fennel, yeah. She was showrunner on Killing Eve season two. Um, I think, but I think this is her debut picture, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, I don't know. I, I didn't do any research for Promising Young Woman, actually. Yeah, it's a feature. Um, it's a feature directorial debut. It stars um, Carrie Mulligan, uh, Bo Burnham, Alison Brie, Jennifer Coolidge, uh, Adam Brody, uh, the great Laverne, Co- uh, Laverne Cox as well. And essentially, it's uh, this. You'd be learned this kind of as the movie goes along. Carrie Mulligan, her uh, her partner, not her partner, her f- her friend, while she was at uh, medical school, uh, was sexually assaulted. And uh, she now lures men home uh, in a drunken state. She herself acts drunk. And then these guys take her home. And then um, I think the implication is that she initially, at least, you feel like she kills them or assaults them. But I don't think that is actually the case. I think I think it's something different. Um, but that's like left ambiguous for the most part. But you, you can kind of, you know, you can have a good guesstimation that, She's not actually murdering these men. Yeah, well, I mean, well, but I think by the end of the film, we know exactly what she's been doing. Um, mm. That's that's the thing. But yeah, let's let's talk about it because this is this is a strange movie. Uh, the my I I couldn't make up my mind on it until the very end. Like it, it's a lot of a lot of the other movies on this list that we watched well the uh, the four the four that i rate highly they by like half an hour in i was like yeah i'm in love with this i there's you you really have to fuck this up for me to go wrong whereas this i just kept going what's a reveal what's not the let's take the the intro scene with the um it's adam brody right the the oc guy seth cohen by god yeah so uh so that's yeah. So it's 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 him, Sam Richardson, and another guy I don't know, just broing out at a bar, looking at our promising young woman, pretending to be hammered. Obviously, we're, I think we're supposed to think it's real, but uh, 
knowing anything, including the title of this film, feels like a spoiler in a way because you're like, yeah, mm. no, she's not. This isn't. This is all for a reveal. Adam Brody pretending to be the nice guy takes her, you know, approaches her, takes her home, and then tries to force himself on her. Uh, and then the next morning, she's leaving with blood on her. Or burger sauce, ketchup, because she's eating a burger. Yeah, maybe, but yeah, I think that's the thing. But I think it's, I think it's blood. You, th- you think it's um, blood? Yeah. I think, I, yeah, and I mean, we can. Let's just. Should we spoil the movie now? Let's just get I, it over with. I don't. I, I kind of don't want to. I, I okay, kind of want to. I kind of want to hang on to this one just because I think I do want to encourage people to watch it. Um, mm. And I feel like if we if we tell them that. It's if we spoil it all the way, they might like not bother. Yeah, um, but, but I feel like I feel like hmm. all the films on this list, especially Sound of Metal, Nomadland, Judas and the Black Messiah, and Minari, do not listen to these episodes before you've watched them. Yeah, uh, yeah, but like even for those ones, I think you can you'll enjoy. Like Minari, you'll enjoy without knowing the plot um, necessarily. Judas and the Black Messiah is very difficult to spoil as a sexual. That's its actual history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Can I say one of the things? I mean, can I can I tell you what I liked most? I'll tell you what I liked. I'll tell you what I didn't like. What I liked most about Promising Young Women is I like the little needles at uh, toxic masculinity. Now, Sam, we always talk about these these guys who walk around hashtag feminist on their shirts. They're like, "Well, I'm a nice guy." Hey, this is stay away from this guy. This guy is trying to form an alibi. Yeah. Stay away from that guy. And I love that this movie skewers those men um, mm. viciously. And, and it does so in a really fun way in picking really lovable um, male actors that we all love. Yeah. Like I love Adam Brody, um, McLovin from uh, yeah. Superbad, Schmitty from uh, New Girl. I don't um, know who that one is. I haven't, I've never seen uh, that. Oh, he's like, but he's like a, a, the same kind of like lovable uh kind of he's like the kramer of that show i love that they did that i love um i love that the movie actually i know some reviews said that they didn't do this but i think they actually did this quite well is balancing rage with grief yeah um because if when someone's suffering from a trauma they're not just one or the other and you do feel other emotions in between those two poles right that it's i liked it i think the movie did very well also loved the soundtrack um, the soundtrack was great. Soundtrack was great. The violin uh, cover of Toxic <laughs> is fucking great. Also, and I forgot that I actually loved that Paris Hilton song uh, that I liked, Stars Are Blind. I was like, <laughs> someone, you know how crazy the mid-2000s was? Someone gave Paris, Paris Hilton such a bona fide banger that not even her being who she is, people could be like, this fucking sucks. You couldn't. Like, it went straight to number one. Um, I sorry. I have to say that toxic when the when the horror strings version of toxic came on, it took me a second to recognize. I watched it with my partner, and I was like, "That toxic," and she was like, "Yeah." Uh, and th- this is another it's a, a spoiler for something else. But today was the finale of uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, and uh, it was all Britney themed and no toxic. I was like, "You can't." I was like, "You can't." You have that's the that's the one. But that's even that's such a very it's a nice choice, right? Is the choice is Britney, a woman who has been um, marginal, made fun of, marginalized, um, abused. If you uh, if you believe some of the stories that come out, um, Paris Hilton, 
a woman who, like, honestly, like, everyone saw her sex tape. She was called the worst names and whatever. She recently came out and did an interview she was like, where she kind of explained how she put together the Paris Hilton character. So that's interesting. I love stuff like that. Um, what did you like about it before we go into what we didn't like? Uh, I loved, uh, the, honestly, the cinematography, perfect. So good for what this film is. The way it was shot, the production value, the set design. I liked a lot of the performances. I thought Bo Burnham did the best job. Nailed it. To a he point. To yeah, there was there's a there's a flip in the movie where I feel like his acting can't it can't quite shift. Uh, he's too. I I buy him as a nice guy. There was even a point in the movie where I was like, and look, I'm not a, a, a Bo Burnham hater or a Bo, like a particular Bo Burnham fan. I enjoy the bits of his comedy that I've seen, but I've never really sought it out. But watching this, I was like, I'm charmed. I'm fully oh, charmed. That last special of his is, is tremendous. Uh, I think it's called What Next or something. I can't remember. Something like that. Well, I loved Eighth Grade, the film he did, mm. which he's obviously not in, but I thought that was a brilliant movie. So I'm like, I, I think I'm coming around to the, the Bo Burnham camp. Um, yeah, and I did, I, the, the in terms of like the DNA of the film, the thing I liked the most was that it was keeping me on my toes mm. the whole time. Every, Even if certain scenes were very easy to to read or predict, there felt like there was always a spin. There was a dramatic flip that made me go, oh, I, even if I'm not enjoying this, I have to know what mm. happens next. I agree. I think that was like, it does keep you on your toes. There's a couple of things that I'm like, don't quite work. Mm. Uh, I think one of the things that doesn't work for me is the, um, I don't like when movies use dialogue that I think should be in the review for the movie. Mm -hmm. I don't I, like you making the subtext text. I don't like that yeah. that much. For example, yeah. for example, there's a scene where the, and I think this is in the trailer, so it's not a real spoiler where one of the guys goes, Oh, being accused of of that is every man's worst nightmare. And then the the protagonist goes, but guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? And I'm like, all right, guys. Like mm. this this is not this is cute. Like, but like surely you can leave that for Mark Commode. Like he'll like top line, like he'll end it, he'll kick it off. I think that's a bit uh trite. I I think weirdly, the movie kind of lets guys off a little bit uh easy. In a sense. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, okay. That's, you, you've zeroed in on something I really want to talk about, which was the McLovin scene. Um, was because, in terms, of, in terms of seeing myself on screen as like a toxic man, that felt like, oh, this is going to be the closest to me that I get to see. There was something about, there were, there were, uh, just a couple things in that scene where I was like, "Yeah, I feel like I feel like I could be this dude." What's I know that dead on dead on stuff, saying things like, "Oh man, the thing about consider," and I like this thing. I fucking love Consider the Lobster. That's one of my <laughs> favorite. I love that book. David Foster Wallace is amazing to me. So it, it, that's like dead on that some dude is just talking at a goal about David Foster Wallace. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. But the scene shifts so quickly that I feel I, like I felt let off. I was like, I'm kind of excited because I kind of feel like I'm going to learn something about myself through this movie, through the lens of this movie. I'm going to see it. And I, di I just, it didn't, the rest of it didn't resonate. 
and it is in the in the writing i wouldn't even just say it's making the subtext text i would say one of the problems is that the the dialogue throughout the movie feels like online discourse rather than real drama it feels like this is what the su- the summaries of these events are and they didn't really feel to be they, they really didn't feel to like to be enough heart in like our, our our main characters and their interactions because i think i can take that when it's we do the intro with adam brody and then we do the mclovin bit and then there's the sam richardson bit i'm like i can kind of get it from these those three very like present interactions as oh yeah this is this is just what's going on this is why it's current but it kind of bled into the rest of the film for me where and even especially shows during uh is it carrie mulligan is the lead Mm. her and laverne cox's interactions um where the dialogue is so expositional just to push the story forward and laverne cox is relegated to the black best friend role there's she serves very little purpose uh other than the expositional dialogue and their relationship doesn't even really go anywhere i i have to like i'm not sure if this is a bad thing or a good thing yet um but i do think every time the two two guys talk to each other this is like this is just the dumbest shit ever to me yeah it's the dumbest shit ever and i have to hold up my hands and say like obviously men have been doing this shit forever Mm. but i think scenes where men are talking to women uh, in a terrible way, f- ring more true to me than the scenes where, because like guys, like and I don't know if, if women knew the dumb shit that men talk about. Mm. Like I, I understand for the project of the movie to make sense, um, you're creating this uh, space and universe um, where men are like these predators. Mm. That uh, which they are in real life as well, but like for the you're creating like a closed universe where like you know men men are just like on it a hundred percent of the time out to hurt women, and um, the scene where <laughs> the scene where those three guys are in the and like the dialogue is it's outrageous, mm. and th- three guys standing around going, ah man, so I fucked this uh, chick the other day, and then I fucking ah, look at it, they blood, they want it, they want it. Mm. Man, I've been a, I'm a, I'm 30 now. I, oh, dude, if if maybe when I was 19, I, guys would speak that way. Mm. I've not heard grown men talk about um, raping someone who's drunk mm. in conversation. That that's such a, and even like, um, yeah, like that's the, that's the part where it's like, this is banal. It's that's the thing that, that's like weird for me to to express. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. I don't like not buy it because the because these are the these are suited dudes. This is the, and this is the other thing is like I haven't spent time around men that are that fit the stereotype of what the film is trying to portray. And the film is very much trying to portray like the it's the guy. Most of these guys are the sort of stockbroker business suits uh suits and ties and then want to go out to the cheapest club and try and hook up and i'm like i haven't hung out with those guys that that type of guy since i i was like 21 so i'm like i i, I can kind of believe they wouldn't change especially if they're 
like wealthy enough to not have to. But I, I would disagree. I would disagree, Sam. But go ahead. <coughs> yeah. Can I tell you what I think it is? You is... do have a much more professional life than I do. <laughs> but do. Like, can I tell you what I think it is? Yeah. Is I think if you're writing from perhaps from a female perspective, although this is not necessarily um, uh, the point of it, but I think in order for in order for these guys to be, to cause the amount of damage that they do, you ascribe you have to ascribe more evil intention than maybe is there all the time. When the truth is, it's just, just like extreme. It is evil. What the cons- the actions are evil, but the road to those actions are indifference. What do you mean? I don't understand. Well, like, what what I mean is like, in order for for this universe to make sense, in like in this movie, in Promising Young Woman, I think Adam Brody's character in real life isn't as much a a, a good guy um, who's actually a bad guy. I think mm. he's just an indifferent guy who doesn't think about it. I I kind of as okay. do you know what I mean? I yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I think my problem. With the, the uh, and this because this kind of goes back to my first point is I think the where the writing, which is for me like the crucial flaw of this movie, is that we want to show, and this is really this is a cold open for the movie, right? This is a, this doesn't really tie into anything else. They force it a little bit later, but the it, to set, like you said to set this closed universe, Adam Brody approaches this woman under the nice guy guise. What I didn't buy was he also does that to his mates. So yeah, right. I see what you mean. I see and, what you and, mean. And I think, and here's the thing: is I think what they've tried to do is go. Okay, we we have this opening scene. Adam Bro, there's going to be three guys talking. Two of them are going to be real, like overt misogynists, pigs. The one guy who's like the kind of hey, come on, guys, come on, don't you know what are you doing? Is then going to go over and be like, are you okay? Can I get you a ride home? Can I get you an Uber? Can I get you a thing? And then you know she's obviously playing pissed, and and then he's like, oh, I just live over here. Let's go back to mine. And then she's like, okay, well, this is my revenge yeah. thing. So we go in. It goes too far. Cut. Film begins. My problem is, it's like I think I think it's one of the nastier dudes. Who's doing that? Or Adam Brody's nasty at the beginning, but it doesn't work for the journey yeah. of the scene because you want yeah. you want us to be going on this roller coaster. The problem, the roller coaster doesn't meet the reality. I just wanted to ask, dude, when you watched it with your partner, what was her take on it? Um, her, it was mixed as as sort of like mixed and confused as mine. We watched it the other day, so we actually got to talk about it a while afterwards. And I think the more we spoke about it, the less we liked it. Mm. Um, and mm. uh, obviously look one of the big issues with this film it, politically that I cannot speak to but I can relay things that I have spoken to friends about is it is the supreme kind of like white feminist thing that leaves out and my point on this the where I inject is like I think this needs to be a white movie, like a really, really yeah, white movie. Because I agree. Because the, 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 the men who are the subject are 
a very specific, not well, not a very specific, but it's very specific to white men and the and the kind of frat boy attitude uh, that is like white culture, uh, you know, in that uh, like in that facet. But my pro- the problem I think comes in with things like the inclusion of Laverne Cox and those attempts at reaching out. And I'm like, actually, it's I better think- if, you, if it's better if you leave it leave it out. Because you, cause you wasted, like, I, I'm so excited to see Laverne Cox on screen, and then you've just wasted her. Let's move on to Nomadland, um, a film that we are even less qualified to talk about um, because of how fucking beautiful um, this movie is. Uh, Nomadland, um, written, uh, directed, edited, oh my God, by, um, by Chloe Zhao. It tells the story of Frances McDormand, her... Uh, a partner passes away. She lives in one of these kind of uh, industry towns that you have in certain places in the world where the, basically the entire town is like run around one business. And it tells the story of her making her way kind of through the world um, in this, not an RV, but a van that she's kind of fitted out into making a home. And um, I, I say that that's a very small plot because uh, the plot is not particularly important in this in this film, in the sense of what happens after this happens, after that happens. This is very much a you spending time with someone, moving scene to scene, giving you kind of like uh, word to mank, uh, giving you an, imp- an impression of, of what this person's life is and um, what America is at this point in time. Sam, you've been bigging this up for weeks now. Um, it's a pretty good joint. <laughs> To the point where it's almost faded from my memory, but I was so excited for you to watch this fucking movie. I watched this one first, thinking, oh yeah, start with Nomadland, Francis McDormand, Chloe Zhao, let's go. But um, look, the the real crux of this movie is that it's so hard to tell what's real and what's not. And I think that's the... Francis McDormand and the guy, the, uh, the other mm. guy... Um, they're the only two like actors in the film and everybody else is just like a real person. And this is the, it's a real David, David Strathen. This his name straight I think so. He's in like uh, good night and good luck. Uh, blah, blah, blah. A bunch of other stuff. I've seen him in TV loads. Yeah. 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 But, um, I think, yes, yeah, we're following, we're following Francis McDormand in her RV and this RV community, uh, trying to find a, di- a different way of living outside of capitalism. And I think this is, we see shots of Francis McDormand and the other nomads working in the Amazon warehouse and see, I've, ne- I've never connected to the message of a film or like the, the underlying theme of a film as much as I had with this one, where it's just as you go through life and not that there's nothing unique to me about it. I have no relationship to the characters or anything. But just that constant internal struggle of, do I go, do I settle down and go with capitalism and just do the work I've got to do to live and work for the rest of my life and prolong this? Or do I struggle harder to try and live outside of it? It's just a beautiful journey, man. It is just like a really, and because it's so real, it's kind of like this this thing you never see represented, especially not in Hollywood, but really anywhere. The in in well, I mean, anywhere in America in film is like real working class people 
doing something else, doing something different for themselves. Yeah, I think, and a lot of that is in the is in the is in the uh, the actual environment, stripped of all of the kind of the artifice of all of the comforts of the world that you know we create for ourselves. You like uh, Francis McDormand, like struggling against the weather. It's crazy cold. Yeah, it's crazy cold. She has to find a mm. way to make it um, in the winter. You know what's interesting? I think there's kind of weirdly there's two readings of it that I found that I found quite interesting. The first reading is the one that you mentioned. It's this person trying to make make their way, and um, capitalism has eaten them up. They're trying to make their way in the world outside of the system because the system is harsh and works against you. Secondly, mm. there's an interesting reading. Uh, um, just about her own inability to deal with her grief. Yeah. And how in some ways living outside of the system is an easier choice. Because there's almost, uh, not an easier choice, but it's preferable to have to like worry about the day-to-day living than to have to actually deal with your own internal life. Dude, a hundred percent. And I think that's the part of me that that's the part I was like really beautiful because one, yeah, it acknowledges the, the the way that like capitalism chews people up and spits them out. But like secondly, is like you there's you always have some agency. Yeah. Always have some agency. But, but I don't think those are different readings. I think that's baked. I think I don't. No, you think it's baked into the same thing? Absolutely. And look, dude, there's that because that was that was really the thing that pulled me in. And oh, I don't look. I'll be fine. I won't tell you to edit this one because I'm not gonna reveal. <laughs> I'm not gonna reveal anything. But this was obviously like I was a homeless crackhead for a long point, and now I'm not. But this is the thing. The older I get, the further away I get from that way of life, the more incapable I feel of taking control over anything in my life. So seeing Francis McDormand go, yeah, you know what? I'd rather worry about shitting in a bucket and where I'm going to sleep tonight than go back and work at the factory is like once as well. There's that other thing of like once your life gets to like a higher stakes point of uh, like or you're living like higher stakes than what is considered or represented as normal or standard it gets really hard to engage or really care about anything less because it just feels, it feels so much lower stakes and your worries are that day. You're like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna fight this 24 hours. This is the period where my brain gets to go worry about this, but then getting sober, getting homed and all this shit, you're just like, Oh, I've got to worry about like council tax in the, the third quarter of the, I have to know what the quarters of the year are. It gets more boring, like duller, but is psychologically like takes uh, like a much bigger toll. And then with the grief thing, I was like, look again, not comparable in any way, but like I lost my best mate when I was 16, 15, 16. And that was another thing. It made it so hard to form still to this day, like longer term connections with other people because I'm just infinitely like reminded of their mortality and blah, 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 which is like a bit grim and depressing for like a, Hey, we're about to watch the Oscars podcast. But no, the fact that Nomadland managed to zero in on that with dialogue, the only expositional dialogue comes from these fucking YouTube videos of the Nomad, you know, the guy who sort of starts the thing being like, and this is how we live. And that's a real, I'm sure that's a real video he fucking did. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. No, 100%, 100%. That's the thing. And when I read this afterwards, I was like, this is 100% true. Is um, like these people aren't actors. They're playing like fictionalized versions of themselves and you can feel it. Yeah. 
you can feel it in the way they look. Because even like Frances McDormand, her, her face is like all like wrinkled up and withered, like Tommy Lee Jones. Mm. Um, you can tell she's living a hard life, but there's just something about actual people. Yeah. That's just different. Mm. It's just like, you can tell that that's not, this person is a real, like the way that like the, in the people in the US office, like look like people yeah. that work in an office. Mm. These people look like, and I was like, that was, that, their moments was very beautiful for me. And I think it was, a, it was a good film. And you know what, if this one, if best, this one wins best picture, so be it. Um, I, I'm on the fence about either, uh, uh, Sound of Metal, Minari, and Nomadland mm. are the three ones that I think um, yeah. are there. I'm, and I, 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 and it's very difficult. I think. Do I? What do I think will win? I think Nomadland will win. Do you? Um, I think Nomadland. I think the 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 momentum okay. is all pushing in that direction. I mean, so I'm interested in this because uh, I after after I watched um, Minari. I went back through the list of all the Oscar winners and all the nomin all the best picture nominees throughout history. And I and I was like, I'm gonna say, I think this year is all round the best year. And I want but I wanna qualify it with Chicago Seven fucking sucked. You don't need to see Mank. Promising Young Woman is like uh, is gonna be a Marmite it's not punching at the weight of any of the other uh, any of the films i haven't mentioned yet but there's something that is it's worth a watch because it is an interesting yeah. discussion a very interesting movie yeah but nomadland the moment i saw that i mate the this i shed so many single tears <laughs> through that movie right and i'll say this look I've, i straight up wept at minari right because that was a, i didn't connect to it in the same way it wasn't emotional so i was like oh that it wasn't per, as personally emotional for me but this was just like and that's the hardest tier to get, man. The, I, yeah, I know. You know, it's, it's well, like, you know, the, I think the only time I cried this for all of these movies was for Sound of Metal. Really? Um, I think, I don't know why. I have no, I, I, I can't tell you why. I thought, I thought Minari and No Man were beautiful, but like, I think there was a, a rawness. Yeah. To Sound of Metal that like, just like cut me to the quick. Um, but, um, Yeah. But I'm interested I, I, you say that you think Nomadland will because when I that's I that was my point when I saw it I was like I immediately think this is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen I think it's perfect I want it to win best picture before seeing any of the others and I still do but because whoever I support loses whoever I support always runner up right but the fact that you've said it made me think ah now maybe something is changing because this this feels almost too niche for a best picture winner especially when you look at the 2017 shape of water beats out three billboards outside ebbing missouri and i know we talk about the politics but three billboards that was a fucking banger in everywhere yeah. and shape of water was a it was a nice movie but let so i'm yeah um yeah i don't know i don't know i think this is a really good class and loads of great performances um and I think the movie that will walk away with best picture is Mank. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> tune in. <laughs> no, never, never. Get out of here. Get out of here. He says. No, man. It's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting. And it's been fun doing this. It's been fun doing this um, little Oscar thing. Um, 
in the future we might do some more of these little things and and see how it goes um i think we will plan it better if we do it again because um yeah the editing has gotten out of control (laughs) (laughs) i run up against it um But yeah, really fun, really fun. Um, let us know what you think of um, of the Oscar movies. Let us know what you think of all of our takes. Anyway, yeah, let's leave, let's leave it there, man. Mm. Let's leave it there. Um, yeah. Anything else? Nah, that's it from me. All right, man. That's it from Sam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Right. Peace out, guys. Peace.